So the world is changing, and we all know that, of course. Uh, you'd have to be sleeping under a pretty heavy rock not to figure that out at this point. Uh, the world has always changed, though. Uh, right now, we're, we're almost 25 years into what I call the innovation century. Time to really get our innovation on. Welcome to our Wednesday live event, Innovation and Audio. My name is Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Our team is excited to help local radio with ratings challenges. And of course, we have tools, including our music lab, our morning show fame development coaching, and our branding candy. Each of these tools gives our local radio clients leverage that they need in today's fast-paced consumer world to grab attention, grow ratings, increase occasions of listing, and get this, boost revenue. Got challenges? Reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. This live event is part of a podcast series called the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and will become available within about an hour of the end of this live event wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. They do a great job at doing this. Today, we're going to visit with Maddie Stout, EVP of Podcasting Amaze Media Labs, Los Angeles, California. And that's not going to be the only thing. Ashley Smith is here. She is the founder and president of Dimensions Media. So we're going to find out all about that. And believe me, these things are going to kind of be interconnected. It's going to be kind of heavy. I promise you it's going to be good. What about next week? If you've attended one of our innovations in audio, then you know we'd like to flash ahead a week and give you kind of a grab of what's going to happen next Wednesday. Mike Gadsby is going to be here. He is the co-founder and chief innovation officer for O3 World Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. See our full upcoming guest calendar on the free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. That's also where you're going to find free encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series. And for local radio sellers, they'll get even more encouragement with our encouraging sales success series, as well as free resources for anyone working in radio today. We don't lock away anything on our site like some consultants do. So go ahead and go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime tonight, tomorrow. Uh, figure out what you can get for free from our team. Let's talk uh, to today's guest now. Why not, right? So I want you to listen to this story for a minute. Suppose for a minute we had a professor from West Virginia University uh, professor and general manager of Urban Nights Radio, the Academy of Art University, San Francisco Bay Area, and the president and founder of Jam Street Media in Los Angeles. That'd be pretty cool, right? Today, our first guest is Matty Stout. He's the EVP of Amaze Media Labs. Matty, welcome to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on today. It's uh, uh, it's nice to nice to hear some of those uh, sultry radio tones coming out of your voice there, uh, Lloyd. Sound good? Oh, you're you're so nice and flattering right out of the gate. I love that. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're you're a guy that's involved in a lot of things. As a matter of fact, it's kind of makes you rub your eyes like a kid a little bit. 
uh, and we're going to get into that in a minute, but I want to go back a bit. You have a master's degree in communications, marketing, social media from Southern New Hampshire University. There are many choices for people now in terms of communicating messages, of, of picking what they want. Did you know right away that you would be successful helping people with podcasts? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been in the podcasting business uh, a, a real long time at this point. Um, you know, I started in radio when I was a kid. I was 16 years old. I was a, a, a board op and then a DJ and put myself through school and uh, got some good breaks and ended up producing shows at WJFK in D.C. and WNEW in New York. And, and then finally uh, landing in San Francisco at Alice Radio, I had a very successful morning show. And I woke up one morning and I was... I was just kind of tired of waking up every morning early. Um, I realized I didn't really know a lot outside of just doing radio. And there was a lot of people doing startups. So these guys had started this company called Stitcher. There was three of them. I mm. didn't know anything about podcasting, but I was like, these guys were really smart and they had a lot to teach me. So no, wait a minute. I, I don't want I don't want you to get too far ahead. Oh, we, okay. We are we are, we are going to talk about all that, but you have such okay. a rich, robust story. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want any one part of it to get away from us. Your history in radio includes, if I'm if I'm not misunderstanding knowing G Gordon Liddy. What did you learn from experiences with that dude? Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I don't mean to jump all, uh, all over the place. Um, the, um, so I got to the G Gordon Liddy show after a, a career of, I was 25 years old and I'd spent a lot of time on the air as a DJ and as an APD and, and, uh, an MD at, at a couple of stations in West Virginia. I was super unqualified for the job. I don't know how I got it. I just talked nice. my way into it to be well, honest with radio. you. I drove, I drove to DC and I took a pay cut and I took the job on, and everybody was really scared of him. I was too dumb and young to know any better. So I talked back to him. I told him when, you know, we needed to go to break and uh, I wanted him to recut things or I didn't like, you know, his energy. And he loved me and absolutely made my career because everybody was like, man, if you can handle Gordon and get him in line, let's let's send you up to New York and give you a morning show. I mean, it was it was literally like that. Jeremy Coleman, uh, who was the uh, PD at the time, uh really was impressed with how I handled Gordon. So, uh, and he was a great guy. I, I loved him. Um, you know, I was sad that he, he died last year, but, mm, right. uh, he is, uh, someone that, uh, uh, was a good example of, of, a of a kind of, a uh, a bully on the air, maybe a little bit, but off the air, a pussycat. And oh, are you uh, kidding? You know, look, really he, <laughs> he is thought of as like a, a heavy, He's a heavy, like for people who don't know him that are listening, just Google him later. G. Gordon Liddy. And you're telling me he was a pussycat? Uh, at least it was with me. Uh, but uh, I think that was part of, uh, I guess, the, the secret to the success was I, I got that side out of him a lot. But, um, you know, when you, you know, you go back to your original question. Um, yes. You know, that was, you know, for me taking that first gig at Stitcher and for everything other than that, I've always been looking ahead and wondering what the next thing is and then how do I get smart enough to be a part of it 
or you know be an innovator in it and so with social media marketing you know i i i went back to school seven years ago to get that master's degree because um you know i realized you can make the best content in the world but if you don't understand how to market it and you don't understand how to uh get it out to folks um you're not going to have very good luck getting your content listened to Maddie, I absolutely love this about you. You are now finding yourself on a program on Clubhouse called Innovation and Audio. We deal in innovation, or as I like to say, we do in innovation. <laughs> in other words, most people love to talk about innovation, but they don't do it. I actually see you. I see you making these choices that other people might call a leap in innovation to go from a safe place to a place that for most of us wouldn't look as safe. So your experience does include time with Stitcher in 2007. Please do tell us about Stitcher a little bit. I, I, by the way, I also love that you were in that environment in San Francisco and that caused you to even look around more in your Petri dish, if you will. Yeah, I mean, that talk about a leap. You know, I had the number one morning show in San Francisco. I was really successful executive producer and I didn't know anything about podcasting. But what I knew when I talked to the guys who started Stitcher, you know, you got to remember when we started, there wasn't even an app store yet. There was not even a, the iPhone had just come out and we were the very first podcasting app. But but when I really dove into the, what we were going to be doing, I love talk radio. And I saw that talk radio was going away, at least the kind of talk radio I used to do, FM talk. And I was like, well, I think this is where we're, we're all going to end up eventually. And I will say, though, for about seven years, I, I did wonder if I made the right decision. You know, podcasting didn't take off the way we thought it would. It took a lot longer. Uh, a lot of people thought I was dopey for doing it. A lot of those same people came back to me later and said they would have wished they would have listened to me back then and started their podcast earlier. But uh -huh. uh, but it was a leap of faith. And, and I, and I, you know, there were a lot of times where I wondered if, if I'd made the right decision or not. Okay, so let's talk about transition. Here you have this experience in radio. Was was that experience in radio? And I'm going to point out especially the talk thing because you you specifically mentioned that and you embraced that transition to podcasting. Was was radio and your experience in radio was that helpful in making that transition to podcast? Um, it, it was as far as the content goes and having that ability to do off-the-cuff, free-form, long-talk long radio as far as making the content. But the thing that I tell people when I tell my students a lot of the time is, you know, my ability to communicate that I learned through radio, my ability to deal with sales staffs, um, you know, hosts, all of those things, mm -hmm. I, I didn't realize was really preparing me for the boardroom and preparing me for a business as a, and, and, and becoming an entrepreneur. Um, you know, that that skill set that we get in radio, that ability to kind of have a conversation with just about anybody about anything is right. super helpful in business. And a lot of folks, you know, I don't think they they kind of uh, equate that together. But um, it, it has been, you know, kind of one of uh, one of the things that I think is, is helped me, you know, kind of move ahead in, in my career. You know, in some ways, I think that the radio business has been sort of abusive to to talent in the business. And I think a lot of talent don't draw that line between the skills that they have and how that 
might be transferable to other things. Let's let's talk about radio personalities just just for a minute, okay? Do you believe there should be a much larger embrace of podcasting by local broadcasters coast to coast in the United States? Yeah, and I, I hope I'm not jumping the gun on this, but uh, I, I did, you know, I, I eventually got back into radio six mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, I was offered a, a job uh, running, uh, uh, running, you know, digital for iHeartRadio in just the San Francisco market. And I went in, and I said, listen, I want to do this, but I really think we should be doing more podcasting. And I want to make that a focus of our digital efforts. And, and luckily, I had program directors that were very okay with it. I had DJs that were okay with it because they trusted me because they knew I was a radio guy. I'd been around. I, you know, mm. I wasn't some, some schmuck coming in telling them, Hey, you need to do podcasts. Um, that one market, you know, within eight months I'd grown 40 podcasts. And, uh, that's when everybody in New York started noticing and saying, man, maybe we should put more efforts into podcasting. Uh, and then they, they made the job and created, you know, I became the first VP of podcast, uh, VP of podcast programming. And my job at iHeart was going around to all the large markets and, and converting morning shows, uh, getting them to start doing after show podcasts, getting, getting talent to work in podcasting. Um, it is a natural place for, for radio folks to go. I mean, uh, let's be honest with you. There's not a lot of places where DJs get to talk anymore. There's not a lot of places where morning shows get to, get to run wild like the old days. Um, and podcasting is a place where you can do all of that and really grow, grow something. I think the, the one drawback has been for radio is they just didn't know how to monetize it. Um, and that's something that's still coming along. I think another big, the big hurdle is, is how do you compensate radio folks for doing them? You know, do you do a revenue, a revenue share model like we do in traditional podcasting? Um, I think making them do it, but not paying them for it is not a good plan. Um, you end up with some resentful radio folks who don't want to do the podcast and they, you can hear it (laughs) when they do them. Uh, but I I think that, you know, my thing, my selling points of my radio talent was always, listen, if you have an opportunity to be with your listeners all day long, wouldn't you take it? And this gives you that opportunity. They'll, they'll get done at 10 a.m. Uh, and listen, they can't wait till your podcast comes it, out in the afternoon. Yeah, it's more than that. It's an opportunity to be vulnerable with people. It's an opportunity to create an an opportunity for you to be with a real tribe and to build your brand, I really think. I want to talk about uh, something I discovered about you. A regional director at iHeartMedia said this about you recently. Maddie is a leader and a visionary in the podcast industry. Wow, right? While we worked together at iHeartMedia, he taught me a lot about podcasting as well as how, how to be persuasive in a talent coach. He's a master communicator, teacher, and an asset in any organization that is looking to get started, further develop, and or advance in broadcast and streaming audio space. If you need a fresh pair of eyes on your podcast strategy, Maddie is your guy. There's so much talk about podcast, and there are so many of them. What, in your opinion, are the keys that help podcast have a real opportunity to become successful today? Well, first of all, whoever said that, uh, the check is in the mail. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> you know, with so many podcasts out here, and this is this is the great thing that's happening in our industry right now, the, 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 that's really starting to, uh, you know, 
you hear a lot of talk about is it's getting harder to be noticed. And and if you're an independent podcaster and you don't have the backup of one of the bigger companies, you know, it is harder. I mean, I launched a podcast company. I left iHeart to launch a network. And as good as our shows were and as many downloads as we had, it was still really hard to make money. So, mm-hmm. But if you're coming at it from radio, you've got a platform to promote things. You've got people who already listen to audio. You've got these social media channels that you've been working really hard on at your radio stations that are great ways to promote them. So radio folks starting podcasts have this promotional tool that the average podcaster does not. And and they have an opportunity to actually get their podcast out there and, and make it part of of, of a listener's daily life and also you know and again extend their brand that's the big thing extending their brand mm-hmm. um because it is getting very it's getting harder and harder for uh your average you know podcast creator to create something and get enough listens to actually make some money at it well i also think that people don't think when they create these things about solving a particular problem or getting ahead of a, a particular tribe or or and in a lot of cases unfortunately with radio you know people are forced to do certain things sort of against their will which i'm always scratching my head because i always like to go to talent and go can we talk about what you're interested in? Can we talk about what you're passionate about? I, I want to talk about something that we're passionate about on the encouragers. We have a strong belief in mentors. And I want to know, do you have a special mentor that you can name and tell us why they played an important role in your life? Because you really have a lot going on. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in the mentorship you know, uh, you know, kind of ideal. I, I, I mentor as much as I can. Um, Jeremy Coleman, who was the guy who, you know, plucked me and, and invented kind of FM, uh, FM talk format at JFK and, and WNEW. Um, Jeremy and I talk, you know, he's now running the Howard Stern network and we talk once a month and we have for 23 years. He is uh, someone who knows me well, can talk. I'm crazy half the time. I, you know, one month I'm <laughs> like, everything's great. The next month, everything's the worst. And he keeps me even uh, and keeps me on an even keel. And, and it's just, I can't say enough good things about him. I always refer to him as my Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, but I also find new mentors, you know, as things, uh, you know, grow, mm. as I've become an entrepreneur and I've, you know, you know, sold a company and, and like, you know, starting another company, uh, Brad Smith, who is uh, now the head of podcasting at Sirius XM, who started Simplecast. He's another he's a guy that I, I he's just been wonderful and, and have been a really good uh, rock for me to, you know, call and talk to when when I'm getting down or things are going not my way or I've got questions. Um, and I'm and I would say I, I'm constantly looking for, you know, mentors in, in my life because I think the day you stop learning is the day you stop growing. And, 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 and that's not good. And, and, and there's always something to be learned from other folks and, and getting other perspectives in. I totally believe that. Listen, the work that you do with podcasters, I'm going to kind of lay down your street cred here for a minute. Okay. The work that you do with podcasters includes content creation, digital marketing, social media, talent development, voiceover, writing, podcasting itself, digital editing, digital editing, producer, staff training and hiring, uh, content creation, the, the social media strategy, the metrics utilization and podcast setup. Now, here's a question. Do people underestimate what it takes to be successful in podcasting in 2021? 
Yes, I, I, I still think we're, we're it's, it's it's getting better. Um, we fought for that for a long time where people were like, oh, it's just a podcast. Let's throw some mics up. Um, right. I work I work now, you know, my, my company now, Amaze Media Labs, you know, we make podcasts for Fortune 500 companies like Facebook and Ford and Mac Cosmetics. And they get it. They know why they need to hire folks to do this. But I would say two years ago, I would go to a company and they're like, well, what, what do we need? I don't understand. We just need to get a couple interns and some mics. Um, so I think it's changing. I think people are starting to realize hey, this is <laughs> this is an entertainment uh, media industry, just like anything else. And there are certain jobs that need to be done and certain expertise that need to happen. Um, you know, we're still you know, we're, we're in the world where you got to wear a lot of hats, uh, just like radio, uh, you know, uh, and I. You know, my approach as a radio, when I got into radio when I was a kid, was I, I tried to spend time. And I learned everything about every department I could. You know, I was I, would, I was a kid. I'd go to the transmitter with the engineers just to, you know, because they, they wanted someone to go up with them when it was storming because they were <laughs> – who would be dumb enough to go up during a lightning storm? I'm like, that's me. I'll go. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, knowing what all these things do so you understand how it works as a whole. And, it, and I'm still, you know, trying to do that now and, and understand – you know, everything, every time you think you got something figured out, there's a new innovation in podcasting or a new way of people are doing things or uh, algorithms are changing. Um, so it, it's a constant, it's a constant learning curve, but, uh, but it is underestimated by quite a few people. And I think radio uh, as well, you know, when they, you kind of first started to get into podcasting and we're, Hey, just, Hey, just after the show, just do a, do a podcast and then we'll look, but you know, who's going to produce it, who's going to upload it, who's going to write the, the copy notes and, and all of that stuff were, wasn't always thought of. Well, how about who's going to do the prep? Now, now think about this for a minute. And this is just human nature. Uh, I, I'm always telling people this is a, this is my personal propaganda, right? Uh, my two favorite things are strategy and behavior. And when you look at human behavior, I'm telling you, I, you can you can have people lie to you all day long, but in truth, we all believe from a selfish, selfish perspective that we are the star in our own movie. So people have a tendency to see themselves as the center of the universe that they're living in. But that is rarely or almost never the case. And in radio, and you know, because you come from radio, you, you've hung out in radio, you know what radio people can be like. It's even worse. So, you know, I think it's very easy to misunderstand how much, and I do this with clients all the time, morning shows where I say, look, our job is to be so compelling that we grab attention. Nothing could be more true about podcasting. Let's talk about these radio personalities again for a minute. How important do you think podcasting should be to local radio personalities? Oh my gosh, um, I, I think it's vital if if we want to continue to have an industry that's that's relevant. Um, you know, especially during the pandemic, listening habits changed. People are they want things on demand. Um, when right. I see a morning show that does not put their show out as a podcast on demand, I'm confused. Uh, I will I will <laughs> cite the numbers to prove that it will actually help their ratings uh, because that's the first thing they want to say is well oh, they won't listen in the morning. It's like no people want live, but they they want to be able to listen when they can. And if they missed hour one, let them go grab it. Um, I think it's I think it's 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 vital. Uh, I also think it's vital that. You know, we, we learn how to monetize these things properly so that uh, everybody's making some money. You know, sales is being able to, to convert this into money. And so, you know, the talent makes some money as well. But um, 
I don't see a future in radio without podcasting being part of, of every broadcaster's uh, plan for their brand at all. Mm. You know, last night we did a, a huge thing. We have a couple of podcasts uh, that we do. One is called the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast. The other is the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast. And both of those podcasts got last night's episode that we did, which was a special for us where we did a uh, reveal for a national study that has recently been done about those changes in listener behavior and about uh, having uh, trying to encourage radio radio companies radio personalities to to reach beyond their originating microphone to go to other places in social media to go to other places in podcasting with purpose and with strategy and this is something that you certainly believe in isn't it Maddie yeah and I you know one of the things that radio has to stop doing is is, is putting out numbers like 98 percent of all people love and listen to the radio that's not true. Anecdotally, it's not true. When you talk to, you know, I've taught college for 10 years. College kids never listen to the radio. Never. Um, you know, it, it's not, and it's not a down thing for radio. Like, I really love radio. I want radio to succeed. But when we, when we keep telling ourselves, like, hey, we're doing great and, like, everybody listens to radio, it's just not telling the truth. And the truth is that there are changes happening and they have been happening for quite a while and radio is pretty slow to pick up on a lot of them and we got to we got to get ahead of it because I love that industry. I love radio. I've been doing, you know, I started doing radio shows when I was 10 years old in my bedroom. Like I don't <laughs> want to see radio die. Um, everything well, I say is out of love. <laughs> well, look, you know, it's really interesting how somebody in an industry and, and I'm going to choose radio, but it doesn't have to be radio. They can sit in a lane and go, oh, I see that disruption over there. Mm, that industry is getting disrupted by technology. And then they see this one over here and they go, oh, that one, too. And this one. And and look, dude, <laughs> this is happening around radio in a bunch of different places. And they're going, yeah, but we're good. Yeah, we're all we're good. Right. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to say, and it, and it doesn't help when, you know, there's there's the folks at top who have been, you know, making very nice careers in radio and are getting close to retiring. And it's not a priority for them because ah, I'm going to be out of here in a few years. And, and I don't I don't say that happens a lot all everywhere, but I know it happens. Um, you know, we've got to listen to the young people in our business. We've got to let them drive our innovation. We've got to let new voices come in and talk about how we can shake things up and change radio. Um, I just I just think it's vital for us right now. Well, even though we look at a broader definition on innovation and audio, we do know that radio folks come to this and we bring radio folks to this, too. And. And one of the reasons that we decided to do, myself and Skip Dillard, uh, we decided to do innovation in audio was pretty simply this. We wanted to put a spotlight on real innovation, try to shake things up a little bit. Let's take you back for a minute, Maddie, to podcasting. Okay, so forget about all this other noise. Forget about everything else. I want you to take a minute and I want you to tell us what you see as the future of podcasting? Well, I think we're, we're starting to see the future uh, already. You know, we, we, we've been slowly been in, in, uh, overtaken by uh, folks from other media coming in and, and getting into the podcasting business in a good way. Um, you know, 
testing out uh, ideas for movies and TV shows, using podcasting as a, as a great way to, to gauge audiences on that. I think we'll continue to see more Hollywood uh, type of uh, folks jumping in to do that. Um, I think that I think in general, you know, we've already seen this happening. Podcasts get shorter and shorter uh, as attention spans get shorter. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I still, I think, you know, the immersion of an audio program is why they're so wonderful. But I think shorter form podcasts, daily updates that you'll get instead of, you know, maybe listen to a radio headline. Uh, we'll see more of, more of that. You know, we've already seen a lot more, you know, influencers and, uh, which is funny because uh, that's another example of folks get into a business uh, uh, podcasting and realize, wow, this is work. I actually have to learn how to do this. this is talking. <laughs> Talking's not as easy as I thought. But um, but you know, I, I think that as as you know, as as radio as podcasting becomes more ubiquitous, you know, we will see you know all everybody uh, you know getting into the business. And then as, as we're seeing with my industry, you know. Brands have really jumped into the business and not just right. to sponsor and to make, you know, what, what, you know, you know, kind of what you would, you know, when you think about branded podcasts, you know, the podcasts we make are just awesome podcasts that a brand just happened to pay for because they want to have their name on it and they'll, they'll be the only person on the podcast. So I think mm -hmm. you're going to see more brands getting into the content creation business um, as we're, we've seen just an explosion this year. Well, and Maddie, we had a gentleman on from Denmark who talked about how he worked in Europe and in the European theater uh, for a long time with podcast. And he said, look, uh, I'm just going to be straight with you. He said, the work that we're doing now is about extending your brand into a space where you can. It's a part of telling a brand story, podcasting. So do you see a lot of that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no other media where medium where you can get in front of a uh, in front of a, an, an audience for 30 minutes at a time, uh, right. and 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 be all and have them immersed in your content. And the podcasting is the way to do it. And the good thing is, podcast creators, you know, this is a great way for us to uh, pay the bills and also make some really cool content. Um, uh, you know, the stuff that I get to do for brands is awesome. I have a lot of fun doing it. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's, and, and also we know it's going to get in front of an audience because most of the brands are, you know, aware that they're going to have to promote it and, and get it out there. So there's just a lot of cool things about brands getting involved with podcasting on their side. And as just creators, it, it's great for us. And, you know, it's so important for anybody who gets into the podcasting space. I'm sure you would agree to be extraordinarily compelling. And at Rainmaker Pathway, we do a lot of work, not not just with radio folks, but also podcasters, uh, pure digital stuff, we'll call it for the purpose of this event and television in terms of creation of fame or what I call uh, fame creation. Listen, Maddie, I, I want to thank you for spending this time with us. You're actually sitting in your car, for those of us who didn't grab that early on, sitting in your car between appointments and you've got a live event that you're going to. So you will not be here for a Q&A at the end of this because you have to depart. And I just appreciate you making this time to be with us on Innovation and Audio. No, I really appreciate you having me on and uh, uh, thanks a lot.
All right. Very good. Well, listen, while you're listening to this live event, make certain that you have joined the encouragers here on the Clubhouse app and share what we're doing with friends in radio and audio. Follow the people on the stage tonight. Of course, you you should look around the room, too, and connect with others. A big part of encouraging you in your audio career is helping you engage in networking itself. Find out what our guests talk about every single week, including hacks to make your career better and certainly more innovative by subscribing to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast. We have great guests and insight every single week to help you grow, learn, and meet the challenges of your career in the 21st century. Things are changing like we talked about at the top of the show. Meet our guests live on Clubhouse. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. There are two different podcasts, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and the Encouragers the Radio Rally Podcast. And it's all on on Apple, on Spotify, on Audible, or anywhere that wherever you get your podcast. We do have a special event coming up on October 1st. Hey, listen to this. If you're serious about programming, developing audience for your radio station or developing audience anywhere with the use of music, you uh, maybe you just want to be the best music director in your market. Okay, any of these things. This is a must-attend live event for you. Make time for a visit with the one and only Guy Zapolian, October 1st. We're calling this our very first Friday night live event. Guy Zapolian is very much thought of as either one of or probably more appropriately the expert in music management and music to get uh, engagement and ratings over the last 40 years 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific on next friday music research and rotations we will talk about music music discovery research and rotations then and now with guys Napoleon. skip dillard is with us from wbls and hot 97 in new york city he's my co-host for innovation and audio and this live event i always blame him for this this was his idea skip how are you I'm doing good tonight and, uh, you know, really enjoyed Maddie. Some some great food for thought and and definitely uh, a lot of good insight we can use towards uh, podcasting. Ashley, hey, listen. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was yeah. just going to go ahead and just say this one thing. I think these two guests kind of go together. It's really definitely interesting. Do. Kind of a merge lane. Go ahead. Yeah, no question. Ashley, how are you tonight, dear? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Good. I'm so glad to get you. And, and you know, I thought of you because when you worked with us for several years, uh, you were at Hot 97 WBLS and uh, WLIB after uh, New York stole you away from Atlanta and, and WVE and at the time CBS Radio. And uh, I was most impressed because you would go out with sales when you really technically were getting the creative and the vision together, but you would still go out with sales, close deals. You would still meet with the jocks and, and talk about influencer campaigns. You would still uh, hash it out with the programming uh, team, <laughs> myself and and PO and everyone. And, and yet you always seemed comfortable with whichever lane you were asked to jump into from a digital perspective. And then you left us, you started uh, Dimensions Media and love to just take a few seconds and, and talk about your company and and exactly what you're doing. Oh, thank you for that. And you actually summed it all up. <laughs> I have a background in public relations, and then I have more uh, certification in media sales. And so 
I created Dimensions Media and a creative marketing strategy of a public relations firm. Uh, and so with that, the long and short of it is I help to monetize uh, whatever it is, whether it's your brand, whether we're using communications, digital marketing, social media. Uh, right now, I'm uh, working alongside with you, uh, creating a virtual event and, you know, virtual conferences. And so I'm basically just combining all of those as all those skills and assets that have I've discovered and created over the years and combining them, you know, into one large service. So if someone comes to me and they're they're looking for branding or uh, brand identity and development or original content, I'm that person. That is so cool. So, you know, actually, you've, you've had a chance to be around a lot of uh, purely digital folk, the Google people, the Apple people, the YouTube people. But you've spent a lot of time in radio, and, and so you have the benefit of being both inside and outside of the industry. What do you think radio does well, and, and what do you think it can continue to do better as it goes down the digital road? I think that radio is unmatched when it comes to reach. Uh, when you think about, and Maddie and Lloyd were talking about uh, just the logistics that it takes when it comes to digital platforms. Uh, when you when you think about what we call products, you have one sure. product or one spot that can reach as many people as it does, especially with it being a free uh, platform. Uh, you're not going to find that anywhere else um, when you're able to actually reach and connect with the communities. And that goes along with the what you would consider those community events and the localism of knowing you know, what those communities need and how you can show up uh, to serve them. When I think about what radio could do a better job at, and Lloyd and Maddie mentioned that a lot, is it's just reimagining what that experience is. And so when we're out on sales calls and you're, you're, dis you're discussing what the platform has to offer, it's not just that spot. You want to think about it as an integrated campaign of we have social media, we have our influencers, we have, uh, if you do have, you know, video programming and we can create original uh, content for you. Also knowing what those capabilities are on social media, you know, to make it engaging. So maybe rather than doing a static post, you're looking at uh, the different apps that are available uh, that maybe can make it a motion graphic or you can add music to it. Uh, it's just the innovation and it's the openness to that innovation uh, that I'm looking for in radio. I do hear a lot, you know, a lot of closed doors and a lot of no's uh, when you offer new ideas. But like Maddie and Lloyd were mentioning, if you're not ahead of the curve right now, which we already know that radio is not, uh, if you're not actually seeing the monetization, which I know that that's the rationale behind a lot of the decisions that are made is we're not monetizing right now, but the truth of the matter is, is if you're not connecting with these new audiences, if they're not discovering your brand on these social platforms, when that transition does take place, you're not gonna have an audience to pick back up when you're actually really gonna need it. So I would hate to see for uh, some of these radio brands to die when right now you really could be emerging and introducing your brand uh, to new audiences. And that's what YouTube did for Hot 97. It was amazing. Uh, when you would look at the audiences and you know where they're coming from, there were a lot of people, especially internationally, who were discovering who Hot 97 was and they weren't doing it by local radio, they were doing it because of YouTube. So instead of looking at it as an added expense or you know maybe as additional work, what it's doing is it's helping um, those new audiences to attract to your brand. Uh, so when that transition takes place, that you'll be top of mind.
Um, definitely makes sense. And, you know, one thing that I often get asked about, and, and you know, again, it's, it's definitely not my field of expertise. I live in it, but, you know, not of it, as they say. And, and that's when uh, you get a small broadcaster that walks over to you and says, hey, you know, how do I start? How do I develop a digital strategy? If you were talking to a, a new owner today in a midsize to even large market and they're starting from square one. How do you how do you begin the process of developing a, a vision and a digital strategy? I would want to know who is their audience. Who are they who is their audience? Who are they looking to reach? And as Maddie and Lloyd mentioned in their uh, discussion, is what what are those media consumption behaviors? So you would first need to know how are they consuming that media? Because if you have someone who is purely, say, for instance, uh, only listening to streaming, or if they're only watching these videos, we would want to know which platforms you want to make sure that you have a presence on. And I know, Skip, you know, you and I have spoken about it is scale. To create this content, it takes a lot of people, it takes a lot of manpower. So first identifying who that audience is, what are their media consumption habits, so we can know that we're not wasting uh, time, that we're not wasting effort, we're not wasting uh, investments, um, just to know where are we going to make sure that we're placing this content, and then how many people, as far as manpower, do we have to create that content? Because uh, what I notice a lot, and I do work with a lot of these smaller and mid-sized uh, radio stations, is that buzzword is social media. We're on social media, or you know, or we're doing this, but what is the overall goal? What are we doing it for? What are we hoping to achieve at the end of this campaign rather than spending a lot of manpower or maybe a post or a video that's not going to be seen. Maddie said himself, it's one thing to create that content, but if you do not have a strategy behind it of how you're going to market it, market it for people, to, you know, for to, to reach people, uh, to consume it, to engage it, and then from that engagement it turns into monetization, um, you might be, you know, thinking what you're saying is wasting your time. Uh, so just scale first of all and understanding your audience uh, and when you once you know that those what those two's answers are you'll be able to identify and clearly articulate what your product is um, and when I say that is there are a lot of people I have a website um, and we're posting stories on it and you're always asking well how often are you posting those stories how consistent all those stories. And another example is I'm working with a small, a smaller organization right now. And a lot of their stories right now are programmatic, but mm -hmm. if you're smaller and you're local, those people that are coming to your social media and they're coming to your websites, they want to know what's going on in their communities. So are you actually generating web traffic in that standpoint to monetize that website? Or are you just investing in something that is there, but it's, it's not actually a benefit? Yeah, that makes a uh, total sense. And, you know, you we worked on a lot of campaigns. I, I saw what you did with our Women's Expo Circle of Sisters. You did numerous uh, interactions and activations for Summer Jam, uh, basic holidays and, and themed weekends, a little bit of everything during the years in New York City. Uh, name a, talk about a couple of your favorite campaigns that you, you said you were most proud of. And afterwards, you look back and say, wow, I, I, I really got this done, you know. <laughs> well, it was one that I worked 
work closely on with you. Uh, I really love uh, what was called the Salute the DJ campaign. Mm. And um, that was a Black Music Month campaign, a totally integrated campaign where we utilized uh, your DJs and influencers on Hot 97, on WBLS, and we created long form content where we actually got the perspective of what it's like to be a DJ and what um, their most memorable moments were in their career. And I believe we had about four long form videos episodes um, that ran as black blog posts on the website, uh, social media. And for the first time, there was a Salute to DJ event party. So that turned it into what you consider, you know, non-traditional revenue, uh, but just something that was totally integrated. And for us, when you're thinking about the monetization or from a sales side, that was a new revenue stream that was not there prior to. So, you know, when you're creating your budgets that next year, you can look at that to say, you know what, we can repeat that, you know, and we can evolve from there um and i believe who that's the sponsor of that one was spectrum mm-hmm. yeah and my next favorite campaign because i love food uh was homegrown <laughs> <laughs> and that yeah. was sponsored by hennessy and that's mm-hmm. something you know a little un- unlikely and we partnered with uh the institute of culinary Edu- uh, institute of culinary education in manhattan yeah. And we actually filmed a cooking show inside of their uh, culinary studios. And we also used four of our uh, Hispanic influencers. And basically we paired uh, traditional um, Latin food with Hennessy cocktails. Uh, the finale, I believe that was another four part series. The finality, well, the finale was a big dinner. Um, yeah. And so with that, when you're when you look at someone who does digital sales like myself, and I'm looking at all of the different capabilities that the station has to offer that most people would not um, first think of when you're thinking about radio, we use every single product that we had. So that's a benefit not only to your sponsor because they're on every uh, platform that you have to reach newer audiences, but then for you on the back end for monetization, you're making sure that, you know, that you're hitting those bottom line numbers. Absolutely. And, you know, Ashley, I can't say enough about Salute the DJ, Um, you know, for those on the chat and and the upcoming podcast here, you know, I just got to tell you, it was brilliant what you were able to put together because, you know, we have several uh, staffers, uh, one in in Marley Marl, who produced LL Cool J. Uh, Red Alert actually was an executive producer of the Fugees uh, album. They're getting ready to do their 25th anniversary reunion tour with Lauren Hill. So, you know, hearing some amazing stories from some of the most iconic albums. I mean, Lauren Hill's Miseducation is one of the top Rolling Stone albums of the century. And, you know, people that were right there in the studio, um, those stories are bone chilling. A DJ Scratch, who was the mixer for EPMD and Tribe Called Quest, worked with them. So, you know, those kinds of experiences, it's funny, you you forget sometimes the talent that's, that's actually in your building or the talent that these people know. So, you know, those both were excellent campaigns. And I'm like you, I'm a foodie. So the food campaign <laughs> you also mentioned, um, both of those super memorable. You know, we, we live, Ashley, and I, I couldn't not have you and not bring this up. Uh, we live in an area in an era of influencers. They're, they're hawking everything every time I go on IG uh, from workout programs to shoes, video games. I, you know, how did the influencer, in your opinion, become such a force in marketing today? And, and, and is this just a phenomenon or something we'll be stuck with forever? <laughs> 
It is so interesting that you say that because what stood out to me is we, you were on a panel about a year ago at the NABOP conference. And I believe that Tony Coles, when the influencer was mentioned, he said, well, you know, the radio personality and the radio DJ, they're the original influencer. And so actually the influencer, when I think about it, they aren't new. There's always been that endorsement, um, whether it's been done over audio or whether it's been done over video. And what it is, is when I think about it is, the influencer is tangible. If you think about that media brand, even if you were to say WBLS or Hot 97, when someone mentions that, they're also going to follow that behind with maybe a radio personality. So they're going to say, oh, is that the one, you know, that Ebro in the morning is on? Or is that the one um, that Shayla is on? And so with that, it's familiar. That's something that they're waking up with daily. It's becoming a part of their routine. That credibility is there. And, you know, they become a family member. And so when you put a brand beside someone that is already familiar, you know, a little bit more, you know, like a window into their life, you're going to take that extra step. And I'm guilty of it, actually, because I think about marketing. And when I do my campaigns, I go, is this actually working? I can tell you within the last month, I've purchased three new uh, beauty products because of influencers. You know, yeah. it was delivered to me, you know, in that time of need. Um, and I think that the influencer isn't going anywhere. We may call it something different 10 years down the line. Uh, but like that statement was said at your conference, the influencer has always been there. Yeah, no, it, it's so true. And, you know, talking about our, our our DJs and air talent that, you know, are are working to become influencers. I remember just a few short years ago, um, you know, begging jocks to post uh, and share content on a station site. And, and now uh, they do it almost, you know, second nature. Um, you know, in your opinion, you know, what are some good practices for air talent in really growing uh, their social media presence and, and sending the right messages to their audiences to help build those audiences and, and keep them. I think that our radio personalities or media personalities in general, that they have a leg up in, in the fact that they're already working uh, in a um, environment that is already thinking about what it takes to be a programmer and to produce content, um, to do it in advance, to strategize about it, to be consistent. So if you're thinking about your, you know, your morning show, there's a segment that runs every day or, or daily. Treat your social media just like you would when you're on air. Um, if you're doing broadcast radio, if you're doing broadcast television, what is something that you can hook people in on just like you have uh, what we're doing here tonight? This is something that people can look forward to. So set them up on a schedule uh, for the content that they can look forward to with you. And then most importantly, it's just being authentic and, as we said, being consistent. And something that stood out to me the other day is just like, um, I believe, is it Ari Lennox? Um, uh, the R&B singer, she went mm -hmm. live and she was speaking about a bad experience with a plumber. And guess what? I tuned in because I yeah. just had that same relatable experience, you know? So it's aspirational for people, you know, when your fans and your followers are following the influencer, but they're also wanting to know that you're human. So as uh, I believe Lloyd said it earlier about being vulnerable, what you're not able to do on, uh, on air just like in podcasting, you can take people more behind the scenes. This is what you want to think about when you're going on to social media, um, whether it be fashion, whether it be what's going on with family, whether it's your opinion on a on a worldly issue. But 
also engaging them. So it's just not a direct conversation where I'm posting is you're actually going to engage them and ask them questions, let them be a part of, you know, maybe uh, something that you're doing next to help you make that decision. And there's so many new uh, capabilities on social media that they change every day. So asking the questions, doing the surveys, doing the polls, um, that's just a great way for people to feel like they're a part of your world. Wow, really great. And, and you know, moving from the on-air talent to the, the hardworking uh, sales department that's, you know, running in, in, into rooms to get told no day in and day out to get the one yes, God willing, by the end of the week or month. <laughs> um, you know, you've been in the room where it happens, to quote the line from the Hamilton Broadway musical, um, many times. And, and, you know, something that I learned on the, um, uh, the FCC's uh, diversity committee uh, that I just finished my charter on, and it was really interesting. Um, we had uh, several of our committee members on the broadcast subcommittee physically poll uh, agency groups about, you know, uh, getting more money to radio, especially for small minority women-owned broadcasters. And I was surprised, uh, you know, to learn that you know, so many agencies had dollars, especially multicultural dollars, but the challenge was coming up with the right proposals, coming up with the right pitches and really going in prepared. I was fortunate in, I believe, 2015, maybe, to go into Apple um, to pitch Summer Jam. And when I tell you that had to be one of the most nerve wracking experiences, and I've been in front of agencies for the better part of 20 years I've been in this business. And I sat there and just, you know, the Apple people literally said, you have 20 minutes, make that 15 minutes because we not only were they an hour late to meet with us, but they were literally going into another big meeting and they were like, you got 15 minutes. And when I tell you, we had to cut down what we had prepared uh, to a quarter of it. Uh, what are some best practices, in your opinion, to start? And we don't have to go through everything, but just formulating a plan to walk in and ask for the money and get the money. Where do I start? What What are the foundations? Because you've seen this day in and day out. It's the idea, Skip. It's the idea. And I know that that seems broad, but when you're thinking about radio and when you walk into that room, most people are thinking that this is going to be um, and what you would consider an old school campaign. Most of the time when you're selling uh, radio is spots and dots. When you're selling digital or an integrated campaign, uh, it is the idea that sells. And mm -hmm. so you want to lead with this is who we're going to use. This is what this video will be kind of like a video treatment. Mm -hmm. Make it theater of the mind. What can I expect to see visually? What can I expect to hear? And what we've done together before is mocks. So, yeah. so just like um, whatever it is that that campaign is going to be, have your influencer go ahead and do that voiceover for you. Have your video team um, to go ahead and send you case studies. I, I would mm -hmm. definitely leave a case study. Show them that you've done this before, Show have proof of performance. And then most importantly, because we're working with visual mediums, design. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how many times I come across uh, media outlets, specifically radio, and I get the media kit, and I'm wondering how long ago was this created? You know, yeah. so pe people are going to correlate what they're seeing with your own radio's branding to what you're going to be able to deliver. 
And so that just like I believe it was Lloyd and Maddie said, get some of those younger minds in the rooms. Take mm-hmm. a look at some brands whom you would want to do business with. Reach out for their media kits. See what type of campaigns they're doing and let that inspire what you present next. Because if you're watching a brand with a lot of innovation and you walk in with what you would traditionally do and it's not that idea, it's spots and dots, you can guarantee you that you're not going to get that that return email. Wow. Wow. Some great stuff. Ashley, want to save a couple of minutes here for questions. First, want to thank you. And second, how can people reach you if they would like to get in contact with you, perhaps see about your services? I, I can't recommend you enough. Um, how can how can people get in touch? Oh, thank you, Skip. Uh, my email address, well, I'll give you my website. That is dimensionsmedia.com. Dimensions is plural media.com. And my email is Ashley Smith at dimensionsmedia.com. And all of that information is on my website. There's actually a form of how you can contact me there as well. Well, great. Ashley, thank you so much, dear. I want you to stay around if you can for a couple of minutes in case anybody has any questions. And we will turn Mr. Ford. Man, I got to tell you, it is so great to have these guests on. I always feel like, especially innovation and audio is like getting a little side hustle PhD because, I mean, you think about tonight, all the things that we have talked about, uh, and this happens week after week after week as we bring and sort of sling these guests in. And of course, they end up on our podcast too. I want to say thanks to Skip and to Ashley for incredible uh, uh, both of them for giving the questions and the answers. You know, when you show up for one of these live events, uh, we like to ask you to like our group, the encouragers, and to share it with others who love innovation and audio. We do that because, look, we want to spread this to other people so that they know what kind of resource this is every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget to follow the people on the stage during this event and look around the room. We're big believers in connection, in mentoring, and in networking on the encouragers. Thank you for participating in our live events and telling others about the encouragers and where to find our live events on Clubhouse. We are going to open up the room in case there are questions from you to our guest right now. Of course, you, uh, I'm sure that you can tell that Maddie had to run off. He actually has a presentation that he's doing, but we've trapped Ashley, which means we can ask her some really good questions and we've got her all to ourselves. So that's always good. Of course, all you have to do is push the button at the bottom of your iPhone or Android device to raise your hand. We'll bring you up on the stage. We do ask that you mute your microphone when you come up onto the stage until we call you. Of course, by the way, when you in uh, when you join the encouragers, we have people who only come to listen, and that's just fine with us. Our goal is to provide interesting content, advice, career hacks to move your career forward, and to encourage you. That's our main goal. We don't mind sharing the stage with you if you're so inclined to. So we extend the offer to you each Wednesday after our guests have done their interview, but please don't feel pressured to talk. We want you to know that this is a safe place for everyone. Don't forget coming Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, our radio rally returns to Clubhouse right here in the Encouragers. Monday, September 27th is our Chicago to Nashville Connection live event. Austin Huff will be here. He's half the morning show with Melissa and Austin 
on US 99 in Chicago. Not a small job, right? Also on September 27th, this coming Monday, Becca Walls will be with us. Talk about somebody with some jobs. She's the manager of audio content, the manager and host of Big Machine record label group Nashville, and she's also on-air Nashville reporter for the Bud and Broadway syndicated morning show and a Nashville correspondent for Sun Broadcasting's group, AmeriCountry Prep. We're going to ask her, how do you how do you get all this done? Tell your friends in innovation, audio, or specifically radio that they can get our free resources at BrainMakerPathway.com uh, in our free blog section on that website. If you have a specific challenge that you would like to have strategic advice, simply email me for a free and confidential consultation at FORD at RainmakerPathway.com. I'm, I'm going to kind of kick things off for us here for a minute. Ashley, I, I actually have been wanting to say this to Maddie when he was on with us, and I definitely want to bring this up to you because I do a lot of coaching with air talent coast to coast, and I run into this problem, uh, let's just say on more than one occasion. We'll leave it there. And I want to know what you do to encourage radio talent, especially morning performers, when they give you that kind of look, when you talk to them about podcasting or you talk to them about certain aspects of, of let's say, uh, video in social media, and that look that they give you lets you know that they're really somebody that's more comfortable being kind of closed in their space. What do you do in that situation? Mm, that's a great question. Because uh, yeah, right, you know you run across it a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Really, we, I, like I told you before, those proof of performance, what I like to do is, and I'm huge in all of my campaigns, uh, with the recaps. Uh, mm -hmm. People have to see it to believe it. So if there is a particular campaign that we have created and it has given us amazing results, if I'm able to show how this has worked for maybe another personality or another influencer or what we have in mind, they might not even be at the station. That opens up their eyes and was really amazing that you asked that question because that's exactly how Homegrown, the campaign that we spoke about, uh, about nice. the Tennessee and food, nobody wanted to be a part of that campaign when we started. By the time that we finished filming that day, everyone was thrilled and they asked, when are we going to do the next one? Um, so a lot of the times it, it, it's like herding cattle, uh, just like anything new, uh, but it's showing them once it's done, this is the future. This is how I can see this helping your brand. And then also letting them know specifically like what Maddie mentioned is, we want to make sure that there is a compensation plan. So by oh, them yes. Yeah. So by you spending this day with us to film, you're also going to, you know, be compensated by that. But then this is also online is another way for us to help and monetize and expand your brand. I'm so lucky and so fortunate to have asked you that additional question. And here's why I think a lot of people, whether they're radio personalities, whether it let's talk about this programmers, programmers, radio personalities or pure play podcasters, they don't understand the fundamental business of selling. I don't care what job you're in today, you're in sales. This is the innovation century and that's where the rubber meets the road. And I love that you have just introduced twice to us 
the idea of recaps, the idea of of documenting what you're doing and and connecting the dots for people. And you really say that is probably the most important thing for growth, right? Definitely. People want to see that you have done or approve what you've done. Um, and what happens for me is when you're thinking about with radio, even if you do not have money to put behind or a sponsor behind an idea, I'm always mm -hmm. going to recommend you to create that idea because the monetization will come later. But if you don't have anything, for instance, I can tell you we were running uh, or pitching a, a request for a proposal for Goya, um, uh, the, the international food brand. We right. created something on our phone. We, knew, we know that the treatment itself might not explain it to you. So we walked to the back. We've got one of our DJs, one of our social media producers, and we had that DJ to create a meal the night before, rice and peas. That's we right. showed, he filmed himself at home. We created that in something that's not even a pro professional video, but they saw the idea, they loved the idea, and then that gave us the ab ability to win that RFP. So sometimes Ooh. you've just got to go the extra mile to help to articulate what that idea is. And you want to make sure go ahead, I'm go sorry. Ahead. Go no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, that connection has to be made. And that's the difference between uh, radio and digital. Radio, just like we said, you can you can do that mock spot. But if this is a more elaborate or a more complex idea when it comes to digital, figure out how you can mock it to figure out how you can communicate that. So at the end of the day, there. Are, it, this is the thing too, when it comes to selling, you do want people to ask questions because if they're asking questions, they're interested. Mm, right. And, and look, this is storytelling. So yeah. you tell a, you tell a compelling story. People will buy that story. Absolutely. They will do that. Listen, I'm so grateful that you've been on here with us. Skip, Skip's good at getting these guests that, you know, kind of get to the heart of the matter. We did look, we do try to keep things to about an hour. Our thanks to both Ashley and Maddie for being our patient and giving guests a very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the encouragers innovation and audio podcast, which should be available within about the next hour or so. And uh, we also want to thank just Joe productions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share both of our podcasts, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast with others that, you know, are interested in growing their careers in audio. Both podcasts are available on Apple, Spotify, Audible and wherever you get your podcast. Please remember, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being on a part of innovation and audio with the Encouragers. And of course, good night.